Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We spoke earlier today to Eric Ross, CEO of Capella Minerals. They're chasing gold and copper in Scandinavia. And if you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation and the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports, commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. There are training videos on there. There are summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you a bit of time. And of course, there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. So why not go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Eric, how are you doing, sir? Good, thanks, Sam. Matt. Uh, great to be with you today. Yeah, fantastic. New story for us. Looking forward to hearing about it. So where in the world are you today? Uh, so today I'm actually in Spain. So I spend uh, part of the year based here in Spain and part of the year in Santiago in Chile. In fact, historically, uh, I guess for the last 20 sort of years, I, I've been based out of Santiago. But uh, we, I guess with the last focus over the last 10 years, we had some projects in Turkey. We've had some projects in Scandinavia. Uh, certainly being having some time based in Spain makes logistics a, a lot easier to, to get around. Nice nice part of the world as well. It is very much so. <laughs> so where, whereabouts in Spain are you? Uh, so we actually have a place here in uh, in Ibiza. So this is on the Mediterranean coast. So so this is actually a place we acquired sort of after the property crash um, here many years ago in Spain. And uh, I guess it was a good time to, to get in. And, and as I say, it's actually worked out really well with some of these Northern Hemispheres, certainly the European projects that we've had. Yeah. So it's been fantastic. So, yeah, nice part of the world. In fact, go on then. Whereabouts on Ibiza Island are you? I'll know. If uh, so we're in a place called Rocalisa, which is on the east coast. So it's about halfway between Ibiza and Santillaria for people who are yeah. the island. There so, you go. It's a nice place to be based. Uh, so anyway, we'll see how things go. But uh, certainly as far as the European projects go, it's a fantastic uh, place. Much easier to get around. Absolutely. Fond memories, fond memories. Um, right. Uh, we better talk about you there, haven't we? So why don't you uh, tell you what, right, kick off, give us a one minute overview and then I'll pick it up from there. Yeah. So the company is called uh, Capella Minerals. Our focus is Northern Hemisphere. Uh, so we basically have two projects, two gold projects in Canada, one gold project in Sweden and two high grade uh, copper projects in Norway. Uh, and in the case of the Norwegian projects, these were new acquisitions. Uh, and these are former mining districts, so so I think people have forgotten that countries like Norway actually had a mining industry. But uh, but Capella uh, basically is a TSXV listed company. We uh, had some projects in Argentina until recently, and the reason for divesting those essentially is more for jurisdictional risk rather than technical issues with projects per se. So um, so as you know, Argentina is not for, not flavor of the month for all investors. So. Uh, so we've decided that it makes makes sense for us to really focus on those jurisdictions where people are comfortable for us to operate in. Okay, brilliant. Thanks for that summary. Um, I know someone on your board, Glenn Parsons. I know him. Good guy. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a bit about you though, and you know, what's is Glenn actually? Is he active on your board? How have you met? What, you know, how did you how did you come to work together? Yeah, so the team involved in Capella actually came out of Mariana Resources, and and for I guess for your London. Uh, or UK-based uh, investors, uh, they would probably remember Mariana from as it was listed on AIM for many, many years. Um, so basically, it's the old Mariana team. Uh, so, so on my side, so I was the, and, and of course, Mariana had the uh, the hot modern discovery in Turkey, and, and and the company was acquired in 2017 by Sandstorm. So, so what we've done is we had a winning formula in terms of the team. So Glenn, of course, was part of that team. He was CEO of Mariana. Now he has gone on. Uh, to be CEO of our sister company, which, uh, as you know, is Awali Resources, and they have the project on Ivory Coast. 
Uh, and I stayed on this side of the, the, the portfolio, if you like, looking after what was originally the um, Argentine projects plus a couple of Canadian projects. And now we've added on these new Scandinavian acquisitions. So, so, so I think an important message here is too that basically the team involved in both companies, uh, Awali and also uh, Capella, it's the old Mariana team. So it was a winning formula. Uh, it worked very well. Uh, so here we are. Uh, with, with okay. So, so what is winning formula? What, what, what does that mean? Because it doesn't sound like it was winning in Argentina. So, and I know Awale. So talk to me about what winning formula means to you. Yeah. So to me, if I had to summarize winning formula, it's good. It's a good team, good management and, and good projects. Now, um, now, and, and when I say good projects, they need to be good technically, but also the jurisdictional risk also needs to be manageable. And, and unfortunately, in countries like Argentina, we don't control the jurisdictional risk. I mean, when we acquired those projects two and a half years ago, uh, there was a different government in place. There was a pro-business environment in place. Uh, of course, in the interim, there was a change of government. Things have gone backwards. And, and it is the roller coaster ride that countries like Argentina do have, and one has to be conscious of that. But the reality is we, as a small company, can't wait five years or whatever for it to turn around again, right? So, so you, at some point, you have to say, look, um, it was the right thing to do at the time, uh, but the circumstances have changed, uh, and it's more because of jurisdictional risk rather than anything that we have any control over. Okay, so, so again, just, just want to hone on, the, on what you know, winning formula means. So Mariana, outside of jurisdictional risk, the, the, okay, the team's good and the asset's good, but what, what did you do to that asset which enabled that to be defined as you know, winning? Yeah, so, so there's two things. I mean, so we as a company generally focus on, on high-grade deposits, so that's number one. Um, and, and the rationale behind the high-grade deposits is simply that, um, because they're high value deposits in terms of dollar per ton, they're things that can make good money at any parts of the cycle once they get into, into operation. So, so as a first thing, we've always focused on high grade deposits. We're not interested in the big deposits that take, you know, $5 billion to develop. That's not our space. Our, our niche is something small. Uh, I, I say relatively small, but high grade and can generate some really good cash flows when it's actually in production. So, so that's kind of our, our mindset. We're not looking for the biggest deposits on the planet. We're looking for the, the, the highest quality ones, if you like. Uh, I think that's probably the best way. And we, and we have the right people to do that. We have the right team in place to do, do that. Okay, I think you, you kind of answered my next question, which was going to be about, you know, why abandon the Argentine um, focus? Okay, government, change, change of government. And um, were, you, were you, just out of interest, you being affected by, you know, at federal level, at state level, municipal level, or was it just across the board? Yeah, so, so I have to say that Santa Cruz, which is the province we were operating in, so Santa Cruz is the southernmost province. It, it is pro-mining, and I do have to say we had a lot of support from the local uh, government to, to push projects forward. So, so I guess more of our issues are, are the bigger picture issues where um, Argentina obviously has some, some structural financial issues, uh, you know, just simple day-to-day -day things like exchange rates, exchanging, you know, just what we would consider sort of simple operations elsewhere become very difficult in a country like Argentina. So, you know, and of course you've got uh, huge inflation rates, uh, um, you know, all of these other issues. So, so it is a, a complex environment, but more at the federal level, because we did have a lot of support at the provincial level for the projects that we had. But, but reality is at the end of the day, um, you know, if the thing doesn't work at the federal level, then it's difficult to, to push things forward. Okay. No, that's interesting. And it's just, we see a lot of Canadian companies with projects in Argentina and some states, provinces are a little bit more receptive than others. And they are, they are able to do business, uh, there and say municipal Great. support. 
Very, very, very important. Okay, so you said two and a half years ago, three years ago, right, that that was right for then. It's not right for now. Change of plan. So business plan is now focused on the Northern Hemisphere. Is that is that just because it's become fashionable? Or how did you how did you end up looking at Norway, Sweden, Scandinavia? Yeah, so, so, so I guess our interest, uh, we've actually been sort of following uh, Scandinavia for many years. So, so part of the portfolio is Canada, which I'm sure most investors, uh, uh, and, and of course, we're in uh, Ontario and Manitoba, which are, uh, are sort of favorable provinces for, uh, for mining. So I don't think there's any issue on the Canadian side. So, so with, the, with the Scandinavian side, um, you know, both Norway and Sweden, if you look at all the, um, uh, I guess, uh, you know, how easy it is to work in those countries, all of those Scandinavian countries, whether it's Norway, Sweden, Finland, they're always sort of at the top of the list, right? Because they're, they're, they're countries that really support businesses. You know, there's obviously a very stable fiscal regime in which to operate. And, and the rules of the game are very clear. I mean, that's obviously one of the other issues that we have, um, you know, in some other countries is that the rules may not always be the same or they're not as transparent as they, as they could or should be. So, so, you know, the, the rationale was twofold. One is that adding on the Scandinavian projects, they're, they're good quality projects in their own right, but they're in favourable jurisdictions where we can operate without a lot of the, the background noise that we had to deal with, for example, in, in Argentina. So, uh, so it means, you know, we can push projects for further um, and basically it's a much better, um, much better environment to be operating in, basically. Okay. So... Why don't we come back to them and let's let's just deal with and be able to park up the Canadian. Okay, so you're looking at your Manic Gold JV at Manitoba. You've got the Ethos Gold JV in Ontario. Um, are you committed in any way financially to those? Are you involved operationally? Just you know, just tell me what you what, what you can about those projects. So I can maybe focus more on the Scandinavian opportunity. So, so with the two uh, uh, Canadian projects, so the situation is the following. So both. Uh, are operated by the other company the other company so so in the case of domain Yamana is the project operator in the case of Savant Lake it is ethos so 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 the good thing for us is that the day-to-day management is not in our hands I mean we obviously keep keep track of, of things as they go forward but it's you know we can sort of focus on these Scandinavian assets which I'll get onto in a moment um, and, and in terms of funding so uh, the way it currently is so, so with Savant Lake which is the ethos gold joint venture uh, they have to incur all the costs. There's no uh, costs from our side. In the case of the domain joint venture with Yamana, it's a participate, on a participating basis. So right now, we have just under a whisker of 30% on that project. Um, if we wish to maintain that, then we need to contribute just a whisker under 30% to all the expiration budgets going forward. So, so the Yamana joint venture with that domain is contributing, and the other one is the other party is putting the funds into the into the. Okay, that's that's interesting. So Yamana Gold, um, just whisker under 30, 30%, I get it. Um, what's your commitment for 2021 to that project? Yeah, so, so the plan right now, uh, uh, Matt, is basically, so we have uh, an agreement in place with the First Nations group at Domain. Uh, the plan is there is some permitting going forward for some drilling. Uh, now, the last drilling on that project was done a couple of years ago, and, and it was actually quite a successful program for uh, a small program, if you like. Um, so the plan going forward is basically for Q1 to be drilling again. Um, that's sort of the, the, the general plan. But of course, in, in the interim, there's a, there's a permitting process that we need to go through. And generally, permitting in Manitoba uh, takes about two months or so. so. So I would say Q1, the plan is uh, we hope to be drilling there. In the case of Savant Lake... Uh, no, no, just, don't, just stick, like, stick with your man, if you don't mind, Eric, please. So what's your commitment uh, uh, you know, with Yamana Gold at Domain for 2021? 
What's the yeah, number? So as I mentioned, so the plan is to be drilling uh, subject to the permitting and, and all the, uh, uh, I guess, all the local uh, discussions. So, so basically the plan is to be drilling there. And then, of course, on the back of the, that drill program, uh, we will then see how the results look. Uh, I, I think it's a very good project in terms of potential. So we have a finite drill program plan, but on the back of success, we could continue. I guess that's the... But, but, okay. I'm trying to get a dollar number out of you. Are you, are you oh, committed sure. okay. in terms of dollars next year or not? On Umana's project, yeah, no, we are. So, so if we on, on, with the current uh, budget, which we, we which we circulate internally, I, I would expect that our commitment to that, if we assuming we keep the thirty percent interest, which I would like to do because I do think it's a good project, we'd probably be looking at four four hundred fifty thousand Canadian. Is probably what that would be our share of the project, right? So, okay, gotcha, uh, gotcha. So, how, how much drilling does that? How much how much drilling is that, Eric? I mean, what, is there a plan already established, and it's just a case of waiting for permits? Or have you yet to make those decisions? Yeah, so so we internally have a, a, a I guess a number that we're working with. Uh, so we're, we're hoping it'll be somewhere between three and four thousand meters of drilling. Um, but of course, where we are right now, uh, Matt, is that basically we haven't finalised those plans with the JV partner. So it's obviously you know I'm, I'm jumping the gun a little bit here in terms of um, you, know, you know we obviously need to that's sort of what we're planning. Uh, and as I say, the plan would be on the back of success, obviously, to continue. But that would be the the sort of starting point, I guess, if you like, for 2021. Got it. Fantastic. And ha- what existing data was there? What do you know about Domain before this next round of drilling? Yeah, so Domain's actually had quite a bit of drilling. So it has uh, almost 10,000 metres of drilling on it already from previous drill campaigns. So I, I think this is a project that could very quickly get into resource status. And, that, and that's what, that's the thing I find attractive about it. It's a nice deposit type. And we know from the drilling that's been done to date, it's only been focused on about 800 metres of strike length of what we call this main zone. But if you look at the, the comparable anomalies that we have to test, we probably have another five or six kilometres of strike to still test. So, so this is potentially something that could grow very quickly. Um, and the other thing too with the drilling at main zone is it's not very deep drilling. So we obviously have potential to grow it at depth too. So, so the nice thing that I see about domain is we have potential, real potential to grow it along strike and also at depth. So, so I think it's a great project and I think it could very quickly get to resource status. Okay, and, and, and what sort of numbers are we looking at? What sort of grade are we looking at? Yeah, so, so numbers, I, I, I mean, I think it's probably early to say, but, but what I can say is that we are looking at sort of a higher grade system. So, you know, most of the, the, the good intercepts are, are sort of in that, I mean, the, from, the, from the, the, the last drill program, the best intercept was running, they, they run about eight grams, something like that, eight grams per tonne, which isn't bad for these kind of systems, right? So. Um, so, so what we're looking for is something of that sort of ilk uh, in terms of a grade. Um, size, uh, look, it's too early to really say because I, I, we don't have enough drilling to give you a, a, an ounce number. But uh, obviously, you know, obviously Yamana being interested in a project like that, they obviously feel that there's multi-million ounce potential. Here. They wouldn't be here if they only thought there was 100,000 ounces, for example. Yeah, no, look, big, big companies come in all the time, take options all the time. And, you know, it doesn't sound like they're committing a, a ton of money yet. But as they, as they drill out, I guess they'll know more and they'll, they'll, they'll commit here. Um, if at the end, what, what, is, what is the period for this particular option that they're taking? Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's open-ended, so there's no, there's no time limit. Um, one thing I will add, uh, Matt, though, is that Yamano also actually owns a big block of ground around our joint venture area. So, so you know, obviously there's there's potential for them to expand not just within our joint venture block, but in the surrounding block of ground. Um, and of course, they have another project to the north of us called Monument Bay, which is a project that they've been actively exploring for for a number of years. 
so, so it is a district that they do like. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of, they, they do see the upside potential in there. And as I say, they do have a large land position around our joint venture area. So therefore, you know, I think they do like the geology of that area for a big discovery. So. You're not kidding. I'm just looking at a diagram in your PowerPoint. It's, you're a tiny little rectangle inside their very large rectangle. Um, they have a very large property around it. So, so, you know, to me, that suggests they really like that district, right? So, Or at least they want the opportunity of saying, you know, get, you know continuing their data set for, for sure. Okay. Well, like, uh, I guess we'll know more once, you, if you get to start drilling in, in Q1, Q2 next year, we'll, we'll, we'll know more. But you've had, you're allocating 400, 450,000 Canadian of the money you raised recently, which we'll get into in a second, to that. Okay. Right, yes, that, that's basically the plan. So, so, so to me, the interesting thing about domain is that it's the project that we have that could quickest get to resource status. Uh, obviously, you know, once the permit's in place, um, you know, we can get the drilling underway. But obviously, what excites the market is drilling, and, and we're very confident on domain as a project. So, we're really looking forward to that to getting off the ground and moving forward. You, you look like you could be a little thorn in the side of your mana there. Nice. We like that. Uh, should we go on to Savant Lake? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ethos Gold. Tell me, tell me what's going on there. What, what, what are the financial terms uh, to that agreement? Yeah, so, so Ethos Gold has a, we just signed this agreement in September and Ethos, uh, just to take a little bit of a step back, um, they're also a group that's had a lot of success in Canada. Uh, they're part of a, 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 I guess the umbrella company, if you like, is called Discovery Group and they've been involved in a number of discoveries over the years. Um, you know, just if I look in, in Ontario, uh, some of their people have been involved in Great Bear Resources, which is which is in the Red Lake District. Uh, they've just announced uh, on another project in Newfoundland, a company called Newfound Gold, which has had some fantastic drill hits. So the, the idea of joining together with these uh, with Ethos was basically they also have a fantastic track record discovery. They're efficient. They know what needs to be done. Um, and, and, you know, and, and they're very well respected in the market, too. So So we just felt in that case that collectively we can do more with that project than us by ourselves. So really what they're doing now is they will be pushing that project forward and then we'll basically, um, you know, we'll take that step by step. But but they, they were really, what, what their rationale for picking up Savant was like ours. We felt there was good potential for discovery that the package that we put together, it's actually the first time that land package has been put together. Um, you know, before it was like this little checkerboard of pieces all over the place. So, so it's the first time that property, it, it's a district scale play in various perspective grounds and various, you know, very perspective part of Ontario. So, um, so and essentially, um, so Ethos has the chance to win in 70% of the project. Uh, it's through a combination of cash to us and share payments and also uh, work commitments. The work commitments are about $2 million Canadian to get to the 70%, but there are also annual cash and share payments to us. So, so for us, it's actually a good way to take the project forward. And, and with the team, as I say, that's had a lot of success in their own right. So, so annual cash and share amounts to what? I mean, what's, what's the contribution to your GNA on that? Yeah, so, so to be honest, I, I see the big value in the share component because, uh, you know, if, if we can replicate that success that they've had with some of these other companies, I think that will be fantastic for Capella shareholders. The, the shares as it currently stands, we would get, uh, assuming the, the, the project goes all the way through, uh, the three years, and then we would have eight, eight million uh, Ethos shares, uh, and it's about two hundred thousand dollars in cash. There's also another two, a bonus two million Ethos shares, and another payment of fifty thousand cash um, on a, the reporting of a one million ounce discovery. So, but where really where we see the upside is twofold in this: is one, we still have the residual thirty percent. So, if there is a it is a discovery, um, we still have a direct interest in the project, but also the shareholding in Ethos. So, so I think this would be a good deal for for. for 
Capella uh, Mineral shareholders. So, so I think it's a great, uh, great way to take the project forward. Okay. No discovery group. No, well, spoke with Jim last week actually. Um, yeah, good, good group to be associated with for sure. Uh, uh, as is Yamana. Okay, so there we go. Canada parked. We understand. Thank you for that. So let's get on to the new focus: Scandinavia, Norway, Sweden. So. How we introduce these assets, like I said earlier, is it just because it's fashionable? People are, you know, looking at companies like Rupert Resources doing well up there, and um, you think, well, let's just take advantage of that. Or have you really picked up something quite prospective here? Yeah, so so maybe I'll I'll take a step back and just on how we got into Scandinavia. So mm-hmm. this isn't something that just came up uh, like you know a few months ago, sort of thing. So so we've actually been talking to EMX for for many many years, and and, and we acquired these projects from EMX Royalty. Um, we've had a relationship with them in Turkey. Uh, they also had a lot of projects in Turkey. So, so while we were working at Hotmart and we were continually talking to them, um, I'm going to say five or six years ago, I actually did a side trip from Turkey to visit some of the Swedish uh, massive sulfide deposits they had available at the time. Um, so we know these guys from way back. And, and in fact, Eric Jensen, who is their, their uh, exploration manager, um, I actually worked with him in, in Anglo Gold in, in Peru 20 years ago, right? So, so we've known these guys for a long time. This isn't something just because it's, it's flavor of the month. The opportunity that presented itself here was simply that, um, so our projects in Canada are gold. We acquired one new project in Sweden, which is gold. But I also personally like base metals because I do think that um, you know, gold is obviously very buoyant at the moment. Everybody wants gold projects. And our, and our niche, as I mentioned at the beginning, these high-grade deposits is, is what we have. So we have three projects where the, the, the focus is high-grade gold deposits. But I also do see a niche going forward for copper and, and particularly high-grade copper assets because I do think that um, you know, we will see a lot of movement on that side. And, and, I, and I personally like balancing out the portfolio that way because you know, even though gold is buoyant, I, I do believe in the upside of, uh, of copper as well. And in the case of the two Norwegian copper projects, I mean, they're quite extraordinary. These these are old mining districts that have been around for, you know, hundreds of years. Um, But of course, you know, a lot of that mining was very small scale. So they didn't do much in terms of extracting, um, you know, a lot of ore, I guess, over those years. But but there's still lots of upside there. These are old mining districts and and just spectacular, the potential there to still grow these. And, And of course, the other advantage is all that old mining infrastructure is basically in place, right? So you've got these... These projects, where a lot of that, uh, a lot of infrastructure is already in place. So, so we really like that because of the deposit type. Again, coming back to our sort of mantra of looking for high-grade deposits, and again, these the two copper projects fit that bill of being high-grade copper uh, deposits with other metals thrown in as well too. So, so it sort of fits our mantra of what we what we can do best. These, you know, high-grade deposits that you know on the back of a discovery, they're not projects that they're not mega projects in the sense of huge scale. Um, but they can be developed very quickly and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're very valuable deposits, basically. That's sort of our mantra. Okay. And you, you're going into old mines, districts where there's, a, a, well, not, not just established in infrastructure, but there's a lot of uh, knowledge about what's what's come out from under the ground there. Um, how much did you pick them up from? What did they, these cost you? What were the terms? Yeah, so the other, the other attractive thing, um, uh, Matt, with these deals with EMX is EMX doesn't ask for a lot of money up front, which obviously for a junior is important too. So so their main position is that they take a shareholding in the company. So uh, so where we are right now, so EMX's typical business model is it's twofold. One, they take a shareholding in the company. And second of all, they want you to be successful. They want a discovery to be made because they keep a royalty at the back end, right? So, so, um, so essentially what EMX looks for is they say, okay, 
we will, we want to take a shareholding in your company, and we want to keep the royalties uh, on, on these uh, projects. So, so really, that's their business model. The good thing is, there's not a lot of cash, as I say, because that for us is king. We need the cash to actually spend it on the, you know, on the projects. Um, so, so for us, uh, you know, it's a great way to do a deal. They're obviously, you know, a great group to work with as well, and they're also well set up too. You know, another consideration for us too is that they have um, already established a lot of infrastructure. Um, you know, in terms of operational infrastructure in both uh, Norway and Sweden, and that's a big help for us too, because we can springboard off that. It's not like we need to spend the next two years building up basic infrastructure. So that's that deal works for you uh, quite well, because um, you've been able to, as you say, put your money in the ground. So you've done it. You've done a raise recently, about three point six million Canadian. That's uh, correct. Yes. Right. So what are you going to do with it? Yeah, so, so basically with the fund, so, so what we've been doing the last couple of months, so, so since we announced the EMX deal, that was back the, uh, the deal for the Scandinavian projects, which was back in August, I, I guess we've really been taking advantage of, of we, we know the winter is coming soon, so we've been trying to do as much in the field as we possibly can in terms of evaluating these projects. Um, the next step for us, of course, is, is to complete that target generation work and then, and, and then basically push them forward towards drilling. So, so we raised $3.6 million. We probably have somewhere between two and two and a half at the moment still in Treasury because we have been pushing projects forward. Um, keeping in mind, we will keep an allocation for domain, assuming that happens Q1. Um, so we will keep an allocation apart. And the plan basically is as soon as we can complete the target generation work uh, on the Scandinavian assets, we'll go into the permitting process. And that, like Canada, is probably about two months. So the idea is that basically, once we're comfortable that we've looked at enough of the project to say, okay, here's our top 10 or, or, you know, these are the top targets we have on the project. We'll go into the permitting system and then the plan is to, to start drilling. I, I think probably the most advanced of the, the projects right now would be the two Norwegian copper projects. So more than likely the first drilling we will see will be on those and then Sweden will come a little bit uh, down the track. I think. Okay. So, so can you break that down for me? 3.6 is broken up how? If you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. So the 3.6, uh, so as I say, so we had, uh, so basically we've been, since uh, we raised that, we've obviously been pushing forward on, on the Scandinavian projects. So there's been a lot of work going on the ground on, on all three projects. So we have field crews on all of those. Uh, so, so I guess if I, if I take a high, high level step back, um, basically um, probably more than half of that will go into the Scandinavian projects. So as I say, we will keep the small allocation at 450K plus or minus for, for domain. Um, our corporate costs are actually relatively small because we um, we actually share all of our resources except for, uh, if I come back to the ex-Mariana team, um, so we basically split the resources with uh, Awali resources. So so if I look at, you know, we have a, a, our CFO, our, our uh, investor relations, uh, all of our team basically is shared with Awali resources. So effectively, we can be very efficient on that. And in fact, Matt, we don't even have a, a corporate office in Vancouver, right? Because to me, that's we have we have obviously a, a you know a formal address there, but we're obviously conscious of making sure we get all that money into the ground as, as best as we can. So, um, so most of the budget will go towards the Scandinavian projects. We'll keep a small uh, portion for domain, uh, and the rest, uh, as I say, we just want to push these projects forward as quickly as we can. So. Okay, and you had to deal some debt as well, didn't you guys? In terms of you, right, you yeah. the so, so directors were owed a lot of money. Yeah. How did you treat yeah. that? So, so there, was a, there was a little bit of debt to deal with as well. Um, so basically, so some of that cash also went to, to, to paying some debt. Now, some of it we could pay in shares uh, and some of it we had to pay in cash. So it was a bit of a mixed bag. So yes, yeah, so of that 3.6 million, I guess to, to clean things up, to make sure we could push forward. And a lot of that debt was uh, related to things that were basically associated with uh, 
um, you know, things that we carried from the Argentina days, basically. So, so there was a little bit that needed to be sorted out there just to, to clean things up and, and move forward properly. So. Meaning what? You, you were owed money? Other directors were owed money? The, the directors yeah, so, so basically what happened was, for example, I, I didn't take a salary for two years, so for example, Matt. Uh, I mean, you know, we, you know, these are sort of things that we, we're unhappy to give that commitment because we want to see the company be successful, right? So so a lot of those were kind of debts that were accumulated in the books, not necessarily, not saying that we ended up cashing them all in, but, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, it just sort of demonstrates the commitment we made. And, and the team, a lot, you know, a lot of people weren't paid for a long time and but believed in the story, believed in the team, and, and so really supported us. And I think that's an important thing, uh, an important sort of characteristics of, of management too. They're very supportive and want to see this being successful. Well, I'm kind of intrigued the difference between public and, and private. You know, private when you don't pay yourself for uh, two years, that's called being an entrepreneur. And then public, it's like, well, we'll, we'll pay ourselves at some point in the future, maybe, if, thing, if we yeah, can yeah. restructure things or we can get someone to put some money into the company. So the, the debt yeah, yeah. isn't always forgiven. So, so how, what did you do here? I want to sort of know how committed you guys are. Because obviously you're picking up salaries from other, other directorships that you hold, right? So when you say you're not, oh, how, how, did you, how, how did you charge for your time? As a case of, I've done 20 hours this week, 100 hours this month, I need something, but it doesn't need to be a whole bunch of beans, but I need something. Is that, how do you think about it? Yeah, so, so, so in my particular position, Matt, uh, so, so I'm, I was dedicated 100% to the company, right? So, so, you know, I don't have other, uh, you know, there's no other gigs. I mean, basically, I mean, to be honest, I was basically living off, uh, I mean, you know, savings. Obviously, when we sold uh, Mariana, we made some money out of that. So, so well, for me, it was like, it was something that was, it wasn't ideal, but it was manageable, right? I mean, you know, so... Um, so, so effectively what we did is we just, uh, as I say, some of those uh, debts that were carried in the books were paid off with shares and some were paid off in cash and some, um, you know, but the idea was really to clean up the books to make sure everything was squeaky clean so that we can start this on a, on a solid footing. So, um, And here, here you are today, $12 million company, raring to go with some assets. And um, I mean, can I just ask, did, did you make a lot of money yourself at Mariana or was that just for other shareholders? Yeah, no, we did okay. I mean, uh, look, you know, we, uh, I guess our, our uh, sort of MO is, is to take large positions ourselves on the companies. And, and in the case of Capella, uh, you know, I'm a six or 7% shareholder too. So I obviously want to see it be successful too, because not only is it, is it great for other shareholders, it's, I mean, to be honest, it's also good for me, right? So, um, so you know, so we always make sure that we're really aligned with, with shareholders, because I think that's really important too. If you, you need to have some skin in the game, otherwise, um, you know, people will say, well, Hey, this guy's not aligned with us, right? So, so, right. so I think that's a key point. And all of the companies I've been involved in, um, you know, uh, we try to take as much uh, of a position in the company as we can ourselves, right? So, okay, okay. Um, you also had a couple of Argentinian assets which you've disposed of. Have you received actual cash for those, or again, are those sort of long-term option payments to you? Yeah, so so they're more. I'd say they're more long term, uh, Matt, in the sense of uh, so 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 of the two dispositions or, or divestitures we've had, uh, so one is Sierra Blanca. We did a joint venture with uh, Austral Gold, who happened to be the neighbours. You know, it was an obvious thing to put the two projects together. You know, sell it to our neighbours. Um, you know, that will be productive for the company, but that's more of a longer term thing. There was a small upfront payment of you know 100k US, um, but the real you know, juicy part for us is sort of when you get to year four or year five of that, that agreement. So so that's something for a little bit further down the track. 
Um, in the case of the second divestiture, which is uh, which was the Las Calandrias, uh, that was the deal with Cerrado Gold. Um, that's something more imminent in the sense of it's more shares that we will be getting, and, and obviously, you know, we are also banking that Cerrado will do very very well, not just on that project but on other projects. And and, and, I, and I should add too that uh, you know they have a fantastic mining operation next door at uh, at, at Don Nicholas, which is their main operation. Um, and so there's a lot of synergies with pulling our projects in, in into you know that sort of overall infrastructure there. So, um, so I think it'll be a great deal. And again, and, and but the shareholding again, not saying that it's something we want to liquidate now. I, th I think give it a year, give give these guys the potential to to really you know get some runs on the board to add value to to their assets. And I and I think down the track that's something we would obviously look to liquidate. And it's great for you know for for, for, for Capella shareholders basically. So so I think it's a good deal given the circumstances and given where Argentina is right now. I think it's it's it, it's a pretty good deal for for the shareholders. And obviously the markets reacted since July. Um, you know, no one really cared up until then, I don't think. But certainly what was going on in Argentina. Um, markets reacted. What do you think you need to come back with in terms of the, how you develop the Scandinavian story to continue that movement, continue that interest? Yeah, look, it's a good question, Matt. I, I think fundamentally, I mean, people want to see drilling and discovery, right? That's the first and foremost from an investor point of view, right? So, you know, you can generate as many geophysical anomalies and geochemical anomalies as you like, et cetera. But, but really, at the end of the day, what people want to see is drilling. Um, I, I do think that with the portfolio we have right now, I mean, so if I forget Canada for a second, but if I just look at the Norwegian assets, I think, you know, some of those, both of those projects have uh, walk-up drill targets. Um, so, you know, effectively there are targets we could literally, if we had the permits in hand, walk in tomorrow and drill. But I just want to be a little bit more systematic first. Keep in mind, we've only had these for a couple of months. So, so I just want to make sure that before we drill, we really are drilling the best targets we have. Um, but we are conscious of the fact that we want to get some drilling happening because that really is what excites the market. That's what people want to see. They, they want to see the drill rig turning, right? And, and, and for us too, as a, you know, as a geologist, I mean, that's the exciting part of the business too. You know? so, I mean, so, so the, the game obviously for us or the, the key thing for us is to get these into drilling as quickly as we can. So, Okay, so you're hunting VMS deposits. You're going to hopefully, hopefully start drilling uh, soon. Um, we, and we can expect to see some draw results starting to come out. You, you haven't got a whole bunch of cash right now, which puts you in a precarious position. You're going to have to go back and talk to the market pretty early next year to kind of, once you start understanding exactly what you have. Yeah, so so there's two things I'll add there, Matt. And, and one is that, um, I mean, obviously the key for us is to get some drilling happening. So, so I think if we can, on the Norwegian assets, you know, with the money we currently have, that's not going to be enough for a mega drill program. But if we can get some early good results and demonstrate the upside potential here, really demonstrate to people what we've been telling them, I think that will really help the story. The other thing, too, to keep in mind is from the last financing, we do have a lot of warrants that, that kick in at 12 cents Canadian. And, and, and if we can get those to kick in, that could potentially bring in, you know, $7 million Canadian, right? So, so it's a significant... Um, so there's a couple of options we have, but I guess at the end of the day, what we want to demonstrate is what we've been telling people. These are high potential projects. Um, you know, they're just, uh, the, the Norwegian copper projects are fantastic. The Swedish gold project's great. They're all in districts that we can make work and, and let's make it work. But we do have to be drilling to show that potential, right? So, so for us, the key is get the drill rig out there, you know, get some good results out, show people that this is what we've been talking about. And then I think it becomes like a snowball effect after that, right? It, it, they, you know, once you've got a few good drill hits, then people can see the story, they understand the story, 
and then once you can show the upside, then people are on board. So, so that's the, that's basically what we're aiming for is to have drilling on on multiple projects at the same time. So brilliant. Thanks, Eric. Was a bit messy. You've tidied it up. You got some potentially exciting uh, targets. Let's see what you do. Stay in touch. Pick up the phone when there's something to say. Okay, I'll be interested. Follow. No, that this. sounds good, Matt. No, look, I, I hope that sort of covered uh, you know sort of most of the basis. I mean, and if it was a bit wishy-washy or wobbly, I mean, we can always redo bits of it. <laughs> um, but um, you know, but uh, but but I think it's kind of a good introduction so that people at least know what the mindset is. And, and look, we just you know we're not able to you know as you say we're not the white noise in the back. I hope I hope we're sort of a cut above the rest in the sense of. You know, offering decent management, decent projects, and 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 we've done it before, right? I mean, so um, you know, that's the really, to my mind, I think the key thing. So appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate your time. Thank okay. you. Bye. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.